Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, happy Friday. Have you seen it yet? I have to ask. Have you seen our eight-car monster car Comparo film, Cheap Sports Cars? And I have to say this right now because we've already gotten the comments. I knew we'd get them, and I have to say it. This is my starting rant. Yes, every single one of those cars can be found for under $8,000. We didn't put a single car in. It was like we happened to find the one beat-down one, and so it qualifies. We had to be able to find with Auto Tempest, which connects to Craigslist, and all, we were able to look everywhere with Auto Tempest. We found pages of every one of those cars under eight grand, or they didn't qualify. I agree. Thank you guys for watching. And a big shout out to Jessica S., who's watching with her 18 year old daughter who listens to the podcast, mm. and also Kyle P. So, yes, people are watching and listening, mm-hmm. and we thank you for that patronage. We hope it's interesting and entertaining and solve some actual problems about yes. wanting cars Agreed. this inexpensive and being able to find them mm-hmm. autotempest.com slash everyday driver. So they know you sent you that we sent you. Yep. But nevertheless, Todd I is absolutely it's... right. We went through the entire list and pulled <laughs> it because there were, you know, C4, C5s, Honda S2000s. Have you found the random 86 that's been upside down and yeah, rebuilt yeah. in a bent frame? But this was not, in a lake, but now it's eight grand. Yeah. yeah it's like $7,600. No, we went shopping. Mm-hmm. So Mm -hmm. we made sure, but thank you guys. Also on the test drive channel, the individual review of the NB Miata we drove in the film is now available with different commentary and good news. There is still a five car film Mm -hmm. that is whittled down from the eight car film that is coming in one week. But it's, but here's the thing. It's not just a duplicate of what you've seen. We shot completely new interviews. We shot totally new follow footage and drive-bys and shots you have not seen. There's a completely new piece coming for the five cars that move on from the eight-car piece. It's not just like, we made two edits out of the same footage. That's not what's happening. And I say that because I, as lead editor, am going, there's a lot to do between now and next Thursday. (laughs) But everybody's been on this. You've been on it. Chance and Edgar have been on it. We have accomplished in four weeks. I was at a production company this week I used to work for down in Salt Lake. We were just catching up. It was old friends catching up. I worked there for a while. Great guys. And I just mentioned in passing this, this eight car film. <laughs> and I mentioned that we shot it about four weeks ago. And there was this weird silence in the room. So they were funny. like, wait, it came out to de- You shot it when? That's so they funny. could not believe we turned it around that fast. We've worked really hard. And again, that five car piece is coming and it's going to be awesome. So the description for the five car piece is a furtherance and a whittling down of the eight. So the mm-hmm. eight is the genuine two seat sports cars, 25 years or newer that are manual two seaters. They're genuine sports cars. You can find under eight grand. But the question for us during this film was, did we do it right? We mm-hmm. picked our two cars. Yep. So those get to go forward to the five car film. Then we each picked a car we agreed on should move forward. Mm-hmm. And then we chose one more each you know, for we each, each picked us. our favorite out of what was left. Yeah, exactly. So we, we wanted to say, if we didn't do it right, here's what we would have chosen. Mm-hmm. But if we did, all right, what else would be viable? And so that's the five car film. Those are individual in car drives. And so yep. like Todd said, different commentary. And then with our current cheap sports cars, the raffle is still going on. If you go to everydaydriver.com, yes, you can find the raffle rules, everything on there mm-hmm. and you can win the tops. Well, the Z4 top does go down. Manually, it does. Yes. The SLK, as you can see in the eight car film, it, um, 
it's exciting and special. It has some, some it, uh, fluid-related issues. It needs some dealership love is what it needs. <laughs> right now, it's a coupe. It's a very rare car. It is a SLK manual coupe, which I don't know that there's another one that is that combo. <laughs> exactly. Remember that Solstice GXP coupe? Yes, I wish it's I had one. It's kind of like that. I wish I had because that not was as valuable. the coolest version. And not as good looking. I wonder if you could sell your SLK for just some inexplicable price on Bring a Trailer by listing it as one of one. Because it's a coupe? It's yes. the only one. It Wait. is one of one. You're on to something, but mm-hmm. we're already committed to raffling it, so go there. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And then our TV season, season nine, continues. Big thanks to our TV sponsors, Haggerty, Griot's Garage, Covercraft, and Auto Tempest. As I've yep. mentioned before, autotempest.com slash everyday. And the discount codes for Griot's is eDriver to save 15% off liquids, 10% off everything else. And Covercraft code, you can use everyday21. The number's 21. John writes to us, and I, I read this email and I wondered... Um, I almost feel like uh, we're roped in on this car because he mean? has a, a Mustang a GT350R that he has oh. kind of because of us. Oh, yes. So I kind of right. feel like well, we're, we're all in this together. And he's come back and he's just <laughs> said, guys, what do I do with this car? I'm glad you're with us. And Todd's right. Because in one of our shows, it was a contributing factor for John's decision He purchased it in the middle of the pandemic, as he said, which was great in terms of the deal. Mm -hmm. But now it's forced him to question the incredible increase in value of which he can capitalize on. Yeah, it was like he got a great deal then, and now it looks like an even better deal. Because, by the way, have you heard about Bring a Trailer? It's this weird website where stuff sells for inexplicable prices. (laughs) Yeah, that's going on. I I hate that I'm actually giving them free advertising. Every time we mention them. Because... The, that's just it's all right, no right, just reality. Moving on. Leave it there. Well, John says the thing is he loves driving it when he can. Mm-hmm. He attended the Ford Performance Racing School, and he's even more appreciative of the car and its potential on track. Love it. Now, despite coming from past experiences with autocross and track days with other vehicles, he wanted to wait until he went through the Ford School in particular before taking it out on track to get a better learning experience. Mm. And he says this was well worth the wait. But he's still hesitant on the thought of devaluing it by tracking it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I just I could see all of the pieces coming together in this collision uh, in the middle of the conversation. But he did buy it with the intent over the other options he was considering, thinking it's just a Mustang and that won't stop me from using it as a track car. Mm-hmm. But now he's perplexed because <laughs> taking it to a track event or just, you know, should he keep attending driving schools until he decides? Or should he track it? The driving schools are great because they provide a vehicle, but of course, but then that gets expensive. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, you want your own, and John already has his own, but he doesn't want to drive it. Mm-hmm. Because now it's worth so much more than he paid for it. Although he does acknowledge, as we've said before on multiple episodes, cars are not an investment. They are not. You, you just happen to have like stumbled into, oh, look, this made money. And that is the big question. When you get into a situation where suddenly your car is worth more, there's that question of, well, should I actually make it an investment all of a sudden? Should it I get seems like they are. It it's all of a sudden. It's it's, it's a facade. You've all read those articles. There's a lot of those articles around. If you had invested in hypercars in the nineties, yeah, yeah, the, and the same amount of money you would have put in the stock market, you invested in hypercars. Theoretically, there's been a few articles about this that those that car collection would be worth more than the equivalent stocks would be worth, theoretically, with the possible exception of Tesla, which is also like bring a trailer not connected to reality. So this is what's happened, though, because all the cars are so nuts right now. One of the reasons we did that cheap sports car showdown. Yes. Because we wanted to show under 8,000 still possible in spite of the fact prices have gone nuts. Indeed. Mm, Selling the GT350R. Okay. Well, John writes, assuming that he'll be getting the validation to use the GT350R for the track, you do have that already. And not change for a cheaper track car. 
He's been thinking about changing the daily. Okay. Track car is handled, but the daily is not. This is where things take a turn. Mm-hmm. He, think, he thinks that might be the answer to push his endeavors to track the Shelby by fulfilling his need to enjoy the drives. Okay. They have a six-month-old. Congratulations on your growing family. But he says not having the back seat makes the R even more strictly a track and cars and coffee type of car, mm-hmm. which means he needs to tow the car to future events outside <laughs> oh, of their gosh. area with a car seat, baby mm-hmm. gear, and dogs. If the family's going to go, you now need a tow vehicle because the other one is a strictly track car two-seater. Right. Yeah. They have a 2018 Mini Cooper four-door. He says that serves great for local quick day trips and errands. Which they'll keep. Okay. But the culprit is the 2016 GMC Sierra 1500 pickup that serves as both his daily and the work vehicle. Mm. John's a contractor and he's been driving pickup trucks as daily drivers for years and, you know, needed to do pickup trucky kinds of things. But now that he has an ownership in the company that he works for, he has access to other pickups. He doesn't have to own one anymore. Right. That's great. Company vehicle. Okay. But then he realized he still needs the option to bring the family to the track events and tow the Shelby. <laughs> Which a pickup does. It's not as fun. Sure. He yeah, says yeah, he yeah. loves Stelvio, but the towing is not the greatest. You're right. An Expedition has great towing, but not much better than the fun factor as a pickup truck. And he considered the Durango SRT392. Towing is good, looks incredibly fun, and even track worthy for an SUV, even though don't track your SUV. Don't. Mm-hmm. There's other track cars. You Guess what? They're actually heavy. have a track car that's better than... <laughs> An SUV. That's in that category, kind of like many of the other Hellcats, where it's just like, I can't believe this is doing that well. But that doesn't mean you should pick it. (laughs) Just because it has track mode doesn't mean you should. He says one pickup that does look tempting to look into would be the new upcoming Tundra, Mm. if it has the fun factor of a TRX or Raptor without the high price tag. That is to be determined. Mm -hmm. We are going to cover the Tundra when it comes out, John. But to my knowledge, it doesn't have jump detection. (laughs) I don't know if it knows when you're in the air. True. And the thing about the TRX and Raptor, let's be honest, they are so expensive because of what they're capable of doing. Right. I don't see, and we don't know yet, the new one's coming, we're going to go. I don't see the new Tundra offering what the TRX and Raptor do without offering a price that is similar because there's so much extra stuff screwed to those to be able to make them airborne. Exactly. That's what you're paying for. I mean, unless there's a button that says, I'm going to leave the Tundra, like the tires are going to leave the Tundra (laughs) in my Tundra. (laughs) craziness all right he says he's estimated his truck to sell or trade at about thirty thousand dollars locally so with a budget of sixty five thousand dollars after selling his gmc pickup is there anything else he should be considering or change or should he change his mindset completely or is he just done is he Mm. baked Mm. because he's looking for something fun clearly as the daily but he's got towing needs and the mini isn't going anywhere and it sounds like because we influence that GT350R. It's now our fault. I mean, it's now our fault. I don't our... know if that's going anywhere. So changing to a cheaper track mm-hmm. car, even though they'll add to the budget, mm-hmm. that doesn't change what that track car can do because it's still a two-seater. It'd probably be even more hardcore and even mm-hmm. smaller. So yeah, what do, what do we do? He says he appreciates like-minded individuals, which is everybody listening to the podcast yeah, for and sure. uh, any we, of our suggestions. We are your car friends. That's absolutely sure. the case. Uh, John, I have a question for you that you don't, we don't have an answer for, but I have a question for you on a couple of things. First off, how often do you actually go to the track? You've said you've tracked other cars, you've done autocross, but you don't talk about how much of your life this is. You've talked about taking the whole family. I, I have spoken to multiple people who have taken little ones to the track. Those are not good days. <laughs> 
I'm just I'm just letting you know those are not <laughs> days that tend to go well. Okay, right, right. Hot day, loud cars, lots of stuff going on. Little ones aren't that fond of that. And here's the thing that happens: if you have a little one out there and they get unhappy. And mama gets unhappy. If mama ain't happy. Your track day is now done. And maybe and future track I, days. And here's the thing. I have seen this happen at tracks. Yeah. And the right yeah. answer when all of that goes sideways is you go home. Because if you say, no, no, I've got more sessions, that just got worse. Okay? So True. I, mm, True. Little yeah. one to the track. I've seen it done, and I know that it can work. I've also seen it not go well more than once. So I'm just going to put that over to the side for a second. Okay. You've also said you don't. You haven't told us how much you track. I love that you've done this performance driving stuff to actually learn your GT350R. This is why all of those manufacturers give out track days because mm-hmm. they don't want you to wrap your car around a tree. Yeah, right. Okay, so right. I love that you've done that so that you know you how it could track and what you want to do for it. But you have a growing family and you have a car that now has made money. That amazes me. You are in a very rare moment. It really is. I, I'm kind of of the mind to tell you to sell that car immediately hmm. because this is a rare opportunity to get out more than you have in it because I think, I don't know, you haven't told us, I think you're a guy that does a few track days a year. Hmm. And I think you're never going to feel comfortable driving your own GT350R on track. I think something in the back of your mind, based on this email, is always going to be of the awareness of, should I have sold this? And if you have that thought a year from now, it's too late. Okay. I think there's some there's a, I think there's a barrier for you because you're aware that it has value right now, and you're aware that you could sell it right now, but you really want to track it and it would be great on track. But you also here's the other problem that this creates: tracking the GT350R has thrown the the entire rest of your garage into a spiral because you can't, you don't want to drive it daily anymore. You're not sure if you want to track it. If you keep it, you now have to have a pickup because you have to tow that car for said track days. Hmm. So I think if you cut the GT 350 R loose, which you've heard us say, it's awesome. I'm not denying that it's amazing, but I think you cut it loose and you free yourself to other options. I, this is interesting, John. I am a little bit over the all over the map, but I'm going to distill this down into two large decisions here. Because you bought this car, and I love that you have it, but you haven't extracted all the track potential out of it as of this writing. So you, that's why you're thinking, maybe I can sell it and get the money for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to keep this, a 2020 Shelby GT350R curb weight, according to Ford, is 3,662 pounds. Okay. Okay. Getting a daily driver, a car you drive daily that can tow a good amount isn't going to be a fun sports car. It's Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. going to be, like you said, a pickup truck or an SUV. Mm -hmm. So if we do that and you sell the Jimmy, the GMC, and you go for a daily that can tow the Mustang to the track and then you can daily as a contractor and then use the pickup truck whenever you need it because you got access to Mm -hmm. others. Sure, sure. You could go after an SUV. It's going to be a little more comfortable. And then SUVs that can tow that amount are going to be able to take dog, car seat, family, yep. everything else, yep. still be comfortable. I started looking at Ford Edge STs, thinking, let's keep it all Ford. Wouldn't it be cool to see a Ford towed by a Ford? <laughs> Ford Marketing would like to see that photo, by the way. They would. They would love for you to tweet that at them, for sure. As of this recording, I have not found the towing capability for the Edge ST, even though there's plenty of torque. 
but I haven't found Ford published information, nor did I find the Ford published information for the new Ford Bronco, the real Bronco, even mm-hmm. with a Sasquatch package where you can upgrade to 17 inch wheels and go from 30 to 35 inch tires, depending on what you want to get out of it. But then you're dailying a Bronco. You really mm-hmm. want to do that? Mm-hmm. They did not publish the towing capacity for that Bronco yet. Okay. So then I went down a different road. I started exploring 2014 Porsche Cayenne diesels. Fun car to drive. Yeah. Good amount of towing. Very good or towing. Or yep. if you want, you find some sort of weird Touareg diesel with a 3.0 V6 or maybe that 5.0 V10 or something like that. Or not V10, but the V8. Anyway, you could do that. You could explore that mm-hmm. as a you know smaller SUV still tows a good amount. I believe both of those tow around 3,500 pounds, which means if you're that's right the case, at the cap. Well, then it's Mustang. probably out because you got mm-hmm. uh, trailer tongue weight uh, yep. on top of that. Yep. But there is a brand new SUV that can. Okay. It is the 2022 Nissan Pathfinder Premium for $50,000 all in. It's got a 6,000 pound towing capacity. It does, yes. G- gross vehicle weight rating. GVWR is six, just over 6,000 as well. So you can pack the vehicle full plus trailer tongue weight and mm-hmm. the weight of the car on the trailer. You're probably good with that. And then you're dailing a new Pathfinder, Mm -hmm. but it's not a sports car. It is not. Because you said, here's option two, John, because you said you have access to pickup trucks and we don't know how much you go to the track. Mm -hmm. Can you just get a pickup truck when you do go to the track? You're an owner. You own the business. Mm -hmm. You're the boss. Yep. Need the info. (laughs) Yep, for sure. So how about you do that? And then we go after a car for you that's fun on a daily basis. I understand that being a contractor can make, there's all kinds of different driving scenarios that you encounter. You might need an SUV. You might need that Pathfinder. If that's the case, I think the Pathfinder is a great option for you. But if you're not, then, and this is keeping the GT350R. Okay. All right. What about a, well, actually it's not, excuse me. This is, if you sell that and you get a car, that you can take to the track but drive every day. Mm-hmm. That's where I went to. I think that's the solve. And in that kind of category, if you do sell the GT350R, you can go after BMW M2s and Toyota Supras, mm-hmm. and you can even take a look at the new GR86 Toyota. True. Spend true, half true. your budget. You yeah. can daily that thing, mm-hmm. and you can take it to the track, and you've spent less, and therefore you're kind of winning. you Made money off the sale of your GT350R. Yep, yep. You sold your pickup truck, so you've got extra cash. You spent half your budget. Mm -hmm. You can track whenever you want, but you still have that mini for the daily stuff, Mm -hmm. and you can always check out a pickup truck from the business. We've been accidentally responsible in this podcast. I don't understand how that happened because I went somewhere. That was a mistake. I I take it all back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, mistakes were made. I'm not sure why that happened, but I actually went somewhere very similar. I think. Did you? Yeah, because I. it's maybe I'm I'm gun shy because I've seen it happen, but it's that image of you and the woman you love and your little one at a hot track day. And I just don't think anybody is going to look back on that day and be like, that was a great day out. <laughs> I just don't think sure, so. Sure. I think it's going to be hard. Okay. So, and you, and it doesn't sound like you track all the time. So, I went with, yes, sell the GT350, sell the truck, Mm -hmm, get mm -hmm. yourself a car that could be tracked. Now, the downside to those cars that you can drive daily and could be tracked is consumables. True. Okay? I thought of the M2. The Camaro SS1LE is awesome. 
has some back wow. seats. That chassis is amazing. You could find one of those for your budget. Oh. You could go full dad car and get a Civic Type R, and yes, then go track that. Or Ooh, track that. you could get yourself an older 911. Chance, True. who works for us, has a 996-911 that he bought for very cheap. True. And he has steadily upgraded that car, and it is a track monster, and he tracks it all the time. Yeah, yeah. As a result of tracking it all the time, he keeps having to put stuff into it, because this is what happens with cars that you track a lot. They use Tires, consumers. brakes. Oh, look, that needs a new sway bar. Especially this, older this cars. Is, absolutely. They'll need parts. It's not, it's not a 911 thing. It's a, I track this a lot True. thing. But my point is, M2, Camaro, Civic Type R, old 911, drive every one of those daily. And yeah. then take it to the track yeah. and, and plan with the budget yeah. you haven't spent. Put a little bit away for track consumables. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the, I'm going to burn through this cash for tires and brakes and everything like that, or even track days. Because what I want, the big thing I don't want here is you to be in something you don't like every single day because it needs to tow your car to the track occasionally. Right. Right. That's no fun. That's not what we're talking about. The whole point of everyday driver is the thing you're in. Every day you like, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you're, and you're the GT three fifty R is, is, in spite of how great it is, is creating this albatross effect for the other cars in your life. Now, if you want, I mean, here's another place I went. If you want a dedicated track car, now you go tiny. You go Miata. You go Z three BMW. You go MR two. You go something that weighs less than three thousand pounds. True, sure. Because now sure. that creates options for what your daily can be. If you get light enough, you can almost use a car, almost. So this is buying two cars. This if, is now buying a daily and a buy cheap Buy a daily car. and buy a cheap track sure, car. If you really sure. need a dedicated, because maybe you are a guy that tracks all summer long. And if you are, then okay, that we need a track car for that. And I think you go light, lightweight. So that gives you tons of options. You can buy Cayennes. You can buy whatever you want that is a fun SUV. That Stelvio you were curious about. That becomes an option now because I feel pretty sure. confident something like a Stelvio or a Cayenne can tow a Miata on a trailer. Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So if absolutely. you go small, light track car, you get away from the I'm now limited because the Mustang weighs so much. If you're a guy that needs a dedicated track car, but I still stay with my four M2 Camaro SS, Civic Type R, old 911, buy a dad car that you love every single day of the week. And you know what? This weekend, I'm going to go track it. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I really like that M2 and 911s because it's got the back seat, so it makes it more usable yes. on a daily basis. Because his GT350R has no back seats. Exactly. But they're designed to be tracked. They are absolutely mm-hmm. great on track, and you can absolutely punish it. So, John, only you can make this answer. Only you can determine this. See, I thought Miata wasn't going to be the answer here, but maybe it still is. We'll it, see. I think it really depends on if he needs something as a dedicated track car. Right. But who doesn't like to save money? We're big fans of Haggerty, and you've heard us talk about Haggerty. But I don't think we've mentioned this new offering they announced late last year, Garage and Social. It's like a big, fun clubhouse for car lovers. Each physical location offers climate-controlled storage, complete vehicle maintenance and service, plus tons of events and experiences exclusively for their members. You don't even have to own a car to be part of this club. They've got social memberships available that give people all the perks without the storage. There are many locations already, Chicago, New York, Delray Beach in Florida, and Miami, too. And they're not slowing down, either. They're announcing new locations all the time. We're just waiting for the announcement that they're opening a Park City location, hopefully soon. Learn more about this exclusive car club and storage facility at garageandsocial.com. I'm confused by us. 
<laughs> we just saved money on the last car debate. We that, confuse and, us. And, and both both of us wound up there. I, it's not like one of us. Because this is all the other things. That you guys listening know this. After 600-something podcasts, there's definitely days when one of us just kind of spirals off into weirdness. And it's of like, course. why did you wind up there? But we both... We're responsible. I'm very confused. The desire to actually help is still very much firmly this rooted here. This, this is true. This yes. is important. Yes. We've got Connor in Atlanta, Georgia, who needs a bike feel. Mm. He says, like many households, he has a minister of finance. <laughs> However, his minister is pulling the rare double duty as minister of both finance and safety. Mm. And according to his wiki research, he believes this is unconstitutional. <laughs> Your minister of finance and safety is now the minister of other things and probably looking at you right now and shaking her head. Probably, but he's appealing to the Supreme Court, apparently, so he needs help. His morning commute is in Atlanta traffic, around half an hour of city and highway, and motorcycles have officially been outlawed by the love of his life, (laughs) and he has been given no more than $20,000 to replace that love, well, the motorcycles, as they're saving for a house. Mm. This car needs to be reliable and easy to work on. It needs to have more storage space than a bike. That's easy. <laughs> That's that done. Okay. The car. door pocket card is yes, for sure. pretty on. much more than a bike. He says at least two airbags come in a color and most importantly, recreate the fun of his two-wheeled friend. He knows that 86s and S2000s and Boxsters all exist, but is there something more unique that he's missing out on. Mm. He's been giving serious thought to a purple CRZ with the HPD supercharger, but he wants to know if there's something weirder <laughs> that he's not thinking of. Interesting. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's you're chasing that bike feel Connor. And that's, that's hard. And I know I, I preach this a lot, but I'm going to come back to it because it's right here. This is about weight. A Corbin Sparrow? No, it's, oh. it's just about weight. I was going to say Corbin Sparrow and we're done. Things that are lightweight. And the lighter they are and the more they expose you to the elements, the better Corbins off Corbins are, are light. One of the ones I like for you, except for the airbag problem, because I think it is probably the closest you can get. I think you could find used older ones, less powerful ones, and that is a Caterham. Yeah, but yeah, but they're not. They don't grand. have airbags. No airbags, and even not if you found a twenty thousand dollar like low power one, that's what they would be. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, that doesn't have airbags, so that's out. I have others, but I think the key thing here is you've got to get small. Small is good, and the other thing about bikes is that they rev, they rev True. high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other cars that I can think of are rotary powered. Hmm. I was thinking, Connor. Of the three RX-7 generations for $20,000 and under. But mm. what I like more is for you to chase an RX-8. I hadn't thought. That's a great one. I like that a lot. I'm thinking no more than $12,000 at the top end. And I found multiple in Autotempest. Okay. For something really nice, you're at mm-hmm. $12K. Mm-hmm. Most of them are in the $10,000 range. So what I'm thinking is give yourself a budget of $10,000, no more, and mm. go shopping for RX-8s. You're going to find a wide variety of yeah. year, condition, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But before you even do that, it's important for you to jump on some forums and learn about what's going to be required of you to own an RX-8. <laughs> because I think it will give you that feel. When you wind that thing out, mm-hmm. I think it will start to approach bike kind of feel. There's no car that will really be a bike short of a KTM or an Ariel Adam or BAC Mono or well, and Caterham or yeah. Lotus 7. Or, well, but he has you said know what I mean. the 86 and the S2000 and Boxster, he, he knows that those 
for different reasons get close, but he also doesn't want one of those. He feels like they're too common, so we got to go right. flipping off the because the S two thousand is the first answer I'd run to. But well, you said weird. On. Is yep. there something weirder? And yes, the RX eight is a weird car. It is weird. The yes. rear doors are weird. The rotary shape everywhere in the car is a little everywhere. weird. Everywhere the engine is weird. Mm-hmm. The shape of the car is weird. Uh-huh. Yep. This is your car. Surprisingly usable. Yeah. But if you go. 2009 and newer if you can for get, 10 grand yeah. mm-hmm. get low miles and the mileage range I looked it varies wildly <laughs> but that's encouraging because I found cars with 84,000 miles I found cars with 140,000 miles mm-hmm. which means if you get one within good mileage it could be the worst decision ever and you will write to me and say Paul <laughs> you idiot what were you thinking or it could be the best thing ever and nothing will go wrong with it and you'll drive it for 30 40 50,000 miles and then you'll move on to something else and be like RX8s are awesome I love Mazda the, the key thing about the forum here is this uh, yeah they are active ownership cars the rotaries <laughs> need you to be involved bikes are active yes. you know right they're rider active this is active ownership yeah own you. The, the because and we've joked about it before the thing about RX8 owners and rotary owners in general is how often the well when I just replaced my engine, comes up. You don't. You don't Kinda hear. Does. You don't hear this with. Well, you know, my Camaro that I just bought five years ago. You know, when I just replaced the engine, unless they decided to put some built crazy nitrous thing in it. Right. Otherwise, it's just that's just my engine. Right. But the rotary guys, you get them together, and there is a, there is a group of them, like in the corner, talking about the last time they replaced their engine. That doesn't mean they can't run. Right. But it is a surprisingly common commentary. Well, so be this, careful, okay? The sticky threads at the top of the forum saying, here's what you need to know. Please read first. Yes, please read here's first. Here's what to look for. And I mean, th- there are those forums. I even found one where the forum said, buy a long funnel for, for <laughs> filling oil. You know, little things like yeah. that. They will tell you, and you could either kind of embrace and think, ah, RX-8, this could mm-hmm. be me, or you could run back to an 86 or a Miata or a Boxster. Well, that's whatever. the thing. He doesn't mention Miatas, which I find funny, because of all true, of these that I true. can think of that would be the most obvious to be on the list, but also the most common is the Miata, and it's not on here. So I have to ask, Connor, why are Miatas not on here? Sure, sure. But I have one for you that we haven't mentioned, and it was just in our eight-car piece. Oh. Get yourself a Toyota MR2 Spider. You think? Yes. They're Go tiny. Track that. They're tiny. That's the thing. They weigh just over 2,000 pounds. He's looking for a bike feel. Now, they don't rev out like crazy like the S2000. No, which would but be they fun. are weird. But they are weird. You don't see them all the time. They have a very light, wonderful, chuckable feel. They have airbags. They are an actual yeah. car. Okay? <laughs> but they're very light. We think it's been crash tested. I think, think. Toyota MR2 Spider, and you've got no more than twenty grand. You can get the nicest one on the planet for twenty grand. Oh, don't you even can spend, spend twenty grand. Ten to fifteen and get one that is pristine and yeah. wonderful. MR2 Spider is where I'm leaving it. Interesting. Well, you've got some weird options, Connor. Please let us know, and uh, you know you've got the traffic to contend with. But either one of those, I think, would deal with it just fine. And let us know what you get. Send photos if you've got your own debate. Please write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, and you can send in your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates right there. Summertime's here, and that means it is car wash season, and my friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well, but I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually, I use the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash-induced scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. 
Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speedshine, Wash & Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Lots of good questions. Thank you guys, as always, for uh, filling us up with questions when we ask for them on social media. We do that every Monday and Thursday because we typically record on Mondays and Thursdays for releases on Tuesdays and Fridays. Thank you guys for following along on that. I want to mention one more time. We've actually seen a lot of this of late, and I appreciate it. Those ask for questions are not for car debates. The car debates do go to the email address, everydaydrivertv at gmail. The questions are just, what's on your mind? And you guys have always got great stuff, including every now and then when somebody just tries to poke the bear like Dan did on Facebook. Uh-huh. <clears throat> He's ordering a new GR86. He's very excited about it. He can't decide between silver, gray, or white. What are our thoughts? And he sent a picture of his driveway, which is all monochromatic Silver, cars. gray, and white. Dan... He knows what he's doing. He knows. Yeah, okay. Please, please get a color. Why? Why why can't you have nice things? Why can't you have something in a color? What's wrong with your driveway that it has to you, you like white, sure. gray, silver, black, that's fine. Sure. Can you not have an exception? Is there not anything? I mean, I'll say this to you, Dan. I wish that Toyota was offering a whole lot more range of color on that car. When they came up with the original FRS, there were tons more colors. Yeah, yeah. They had great yellows. They had a really cool orange. Late in the model year, they had a really nice green. It should have a lot of colors. I, I know it's what they're doing early. here, though. It's still early. Because the marketing department needs something newsworthy oh, yeah. to release later mm-hmm. in a press release that they've offered more colors. It's paint. You just shoot new paint through the yep. robots. That's and it's exactly fine. what happens with the Super 2. Yep. So they are waiting. You're right. Which more is colors will be coming. They just have to start with a limited palette so they can have an mm. announcement later. Yep, for sure. Every year there's going to be a color, which is bummer because I would love to have one sooner rather than later. And the color choices right now, I'm like, oh, they're better than nothing. But guys, anyway, Dan, please get a color. <laughs> On Instagram, get in my cars says track daily crush for me, a Volkswagen Taos, a horse, or a good pair of running shoes. <laughs> I want to hear this. This is good. <clears throat> well, as a matter of fact, our friend and friend of the show, Nick, uh, who helps deliver cars to us mm-hmm, uh, yeah. for all of our car uh, driving activities, he sent me a photo of a garbage can painted red and white like a Volkswagen bus. <laughs> And he knows how much I don't like the towels. And he said, ooh, check out the new towels. Looking fresh in the sunlight. (laughs) Cracked me up. I can't believe somebody spent the time to do that to their trash can. It's a trash can. It had a chrome Volkswagen emblem on the front of their garbage can. Somebody had too much time and paint and chrome on their hands. What on earth? So, yes, that Volkswagen towels. But we have to be creative in in crushing it. It can't just be crushed. we got to get really creative and... (laughs) how it gets destroyed and you want to like fire it at the mind. ground from space or something. You want to really like you wanna do something cool. Yeah. Maybe we could shoot that into space. Maybe that could be ballast space towers, the new Volkswagen ballast. That's all they're good for the ballast. That's terrible, but very funny. Well, I'd, um, you know, probably do a running shoes on the track and ride a horse. I'll ride a horse. <laughs> Charlie K on Twitter says, what will be the stereotypical old man's car in 20 or 30 years when we are old men? <laughs> So what I'm wondering this is interesting. about, this, is this the, there's two ways to look at this. Is this the old man car that like the old guys have got the classic of this and they want to show it off? Or is this the car that every old man gravitates for new? Uh, I don't no. know which way you're I think, asking I think this. you could define it as either. So I'm going to say, what's the car that guys are showing up in cars and coffee and going, you remember this? 
and I'm going to say Tesla Model S. Oh. The early ones would be like, yeah, I like the old school. I have an original <laughs> Tesla Model S. I've got dead pixels on my screen. I have an Check original Model S. That I, I, <laughs> That's good. It may not be stereotypical, but I fully believe there will be those guys. They're like, yeah, I'm rocking the OG. I got the old Ooh. Tesla. That's funny. Uh-huh. I like that. All right. Felipe Rodriguez says he recently moved to Germany from Brazil. And is still trying to understand where financial leasing makes sense. Mm. Can we help? Well, it only makes sense for the leasing company who makes the money <laughs> off you who is stupid enough to lease. Now, well, leasing actually makes sense for business owners because of the write-off. And it yeah. actually, it's a great way to get into a more expensive car for less money, even though leasing the money down is still rather expensive. Yeah. It's not always the best choice, but it's offered as a financial product mm-hmm. to be able to appeal to us car super freaks that just want it mm-hmm. and I want to be able to get in it and I can't afford it, but I still want it and they will take your money to do it. No, it doesn't make sense for most people yeah. sometimes in a fleet situation or a, you know, a corporation. And especially if you're putting a lot of miles or, you know, like pickup trucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're turning over pickup trucks constantly every year or two years because you work as a contractor or whatever. It can make sense, but it has to really make sense for your for your wallet. That's the key thing is it has to depend on your personal financial situation. And if your world is not set up for it, it doesn't it, – it's like, why would anyone do that, which is where you are. But, <laughs> but I remember when we lived in Los Angeles, and I knew a lot of people that were out there that were making movies, and they all had production companies, small production companies. And almost all of them leased, and almost all of them had two-year leases and brand new, you name it, S-classes, Range Rovers, whatever, sure. every two years sure. because their production company leased it. And it was a write-off. Totally. And then they always were able to show up in meetings in the latest and greatest, and they looked like they were a player, even if their production company was in some hole of an office somewhere, and it still worked. The other thing is there are also those people out there that they would like to have a really nice car, and they can't really afford it, but they, in their mind, just know, I have a budgetary item. I don't plan to ever own a car. I just I'm going to put this amount of money out every month. Well, if that's your thinking, you don't need to own the product. (laughs) then you can lease something for much better than if you went out and bought it as far as the, the, the monthly outgo is concerned. And right, then you have right. zero concern with it broke. True. You just take it back. It becomes almost, almost disposable in your mindset because you're paying every month. You have a car you like. If anything goes wrong, you give it back to them. And in two years, you get a new one or three years, you get a new one. It's headspace wise. It sounds like you're not there, but these are the reasons it happens. Did you see Baloo 240's question about which car would we each buy for each other? Purely as a joke. No price limit. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. I totally know. Oh, no. It'd be a Caprice, an 85 Caprice for you, or maybe an 82 Firebird. I might you, like You would take me back to that. the four-cylinder I 82 Firebird, and then I would, would try to figure out how to give it to my son. <laughs> I would gift you with that. It's, oh, that's th- terrible. Thanks. Nah. Socks for what Christmas? I, yeah. <laughs> that is the automotive equivalent of socks. You're right, because, <laughs> especially because so the wrapper looks like Kit. From Night Rider, yeah. you're like, oh, you got me a Firebird with a four-speed uh, manual and I might 95 horsepower. Or I'd paint it first. I'd, I'd spend the You'd money rattle to paint can it. it, wouldn't you? You'd I give me rattle a rattle can. can. I'd 100 grit and rattle can that thing and oh. put the kit lights on it, and uh-huh. I'd give that to you. And like, 95 horsepower, folks. Th- four-speed manual. It really was it was quite a car. It was I'm quite a, gifter. a car. Driver Psych asked a question I've also seen on the Facebook, and I want to answer this. Uh, not Facebook. I've also seen it on the YouTube video. He said, I watched the GR86 review on the track, which is on our test drive channel, and he couldn't shake off the notion that, that I, Todd, wasn't having a good time. Am <laughs> I, I scared? Am I upset? Am I anxious? What's going on? Other, somebody else asked on the actual YouTube questions. They asked the same question. Here's what's going on there. I was riding with Paul 
but I wasn't the least bit concerned writing with Paul. I was concerned about what we had left to do in our day. Because when we got in yeah. to do our track piece at the end of the day, and we ended up getting not getting something shot I wanted to get shot, two things were happening. It was starting to rain. It was starting to rain off and on like little sprinkles. Mm-hmm. But literally half hour after we left the track, we drove through one of the worst rainstorms I've ever been in a car for. Like yeah. one of those where the wipers yeah. are going you still can't see. That was headed toward the track. We still had quite a bit of stuff to shoot. Paul was first in the car for the track piece. And I was very concerned we were going to get rained out and not get my part shot because we needed it for both pieces. We needed tracks for both pieces. Also, I was thinking about where we had cameras mounted, where we didn't have cameras mounted, and yeah, the fact that we yeah. couldn't do flying laps. It was like go out, do one lap real quick, come back in, trade out. There were a lot of mechanics going on that I honestly couldn't shake. This is a big thing for me anyway in the show because – a lot of times when I get in the car to be a host now, my head is still in directing and editing into four or the five other things, and I have to kind of disconnect myself. In that moment on the track, I was not disconnected from any of that. I was thinking about everything still to do that hadn't yet been done and what ifs. Yes. And I know yes. that changed my demeanor, and I'm sorry that it looked like I, was, I wasn't scared. I was like, I wasn't scared. Let me put it another way. I was scared production-wise. I wasn't scared the least <laughs> right. bit about being on track. Well, I will – give you this compliment because it's so well-deserved and I've never encountered anybody else that has this ability. And that is your ability to see the finished film before we've shot a frame. Mm. It's like Italian sculpture. You just knock off everything that doesn't look like the bust of Napoleon. It's easy. (laughs) Sculpture's easy. Just take a, Mm. it's that kind of ability that you have. It's you're seeing the film running for your eyes. And all we have to do is just go capture the footage to match the film in your head. (laughs) Sometimes that, you know, backs us up but yeah. f- for the most part it's an ability that I have never encountered before it's it's part of what makes your editing so great and I appreciate I, it. I'm amazed by it so as far as my driving is, is concerned Todd has never been concerned about my driving especially from our days in Los Angeles mm-hmm. when he was looking down and in the passenger seat, seat he was riding shotgun and I'd be driving and knifing my way down interstate yes. 110 yes, yes. slicing my way through traffic because we had to get to the airport mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. and we were just booking in whatever car and Todd be like what I'm texting here what are you doing I would text or answer email or whatever yeah absolutely he he was never concerned or he'd be sitting in the back like I need a little bit more space so I can work on my laptop and I'm (laughs) zipping through traffic slicing (laughs) around people yes he's like "Uh, I I need to type here could you make it a little easier Adrian Holden 709 says do we have a favorite generational demographic to talk cars with he likes hearing old stories about old cars from the 60s and 70s from his father's generation, but he likes to talk newer cars with the older generation. Adrian, I think of this as kind of a cars and coffee topic. Like, who do you want to talk with? Who do you want to hear the story of? And you know who I really like talking to the most? The person that's there in a car from before they were born. Ah. That can be the 16-year-old in a car from the 70s. Yeah. It can be a 70-year-old in the car from, you know, Pre-war, <laughs> from okay? the whatever. I don't know if you do math. Were involved. Okay. <laughs> a car from Shoot. the era of the single horsepower. <laughs> the point here is, I just I'm always fascinated by what are you doing, especially young drivers in a really old car. What are you doing in a car that's that old? What on earth attracted you to that car? Yeah, that was around, but I mean, in many cases came and went before you were born. I'm yeah. always, the, I, those yeah. are the stories I love to hear. Interestingly, the recent issue of the Porsche Panorama magazine, which is the PCA club magazine for all the you know club members, and of course I am, but <laughs> I was interested in it because they actually covered about the new generation of mechanics being interested. Mm. Will you mm. know young drivers now? Will they be interested in wrenching? 
Will they like cars as much mm. as, you know, the old guard loves wrenching and building and modifying and all that stuff. But they reached a point that we've talked about before, and that is the proliferation of information on the Internet to mm. be able to continue to wrench on these cars oh. is the solve. That's the savior. That's the saving grace. And yeah, these cars are still going to be around. But, you know, what happens to the young generation come up? And very interesting article. It's pretty cool to read. Let's see another color question from Kirk Meyer asking the best auto on sale today or announced that would look good in lavender. I is think that a thing? Is, I think this is a serious question. And you might think Dodge, some sort of Dodge Hellcatty, electric yeah. Hellcatty what was their, thing. What was their crazy? There, I, there's a name for it. There was a crazy purple color name. It, it was the, the Plymouth the version of it. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like Barracudas. I can't remember. But anyway, I think the Toyota GR Supra. Yeah, that's crazy enough. You could put it in a really nutty color. And it lavender. It would probably kind of work. It would work in yeah. that magenta. I see it. Lavender. I see it. Cornflower blue, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> cornflower. Isn't that kind of what the that everybody wanted at 9-11 color was, that chalky blue? That's almost a cornflower blue. That's kind of cornflower-ish. And I cannot yeah. believe how popular that's been, but it exists anyway. Richard on, on Instagram says... Um, Having a really capable, high-power, fun car, does that make you want to drive faster? It's extremely fun, but is a less powerful car better for daily use since you might be less tempted to hit stupid speeds? And his examples are an 86 or a Miata versus a Super or a C8. Mm. Obviously, the Super or C8 are much faster, more powerful. Richard, I think there's a flip side that happens. I think the reason you end up going faster in a more powerful car is because that car isn't interesting slow. Hmm. Hmm. When you get a car that isn't that powerful, typically they are, and now I keep hitting on this, they are lighter and more involving and they tell you a lot more at 20 than a car that has four times the horsepower and twice the weight does at 20. Yeah. A yeah. great example is the Nissan GTR versus my Lotus Elise. Yeah, yeah. The GTR will decimate my Lotus, anything you'd like to do, including cornering, much to my son's chagrin. First time he discovered that, he was like, what do you mean? What do you mean the Lotus? He's like, but the Lotus corner is great. I was like, probably going to beat us in the corners too, buddy. It's just going to yeah. beat us. Okay? It's funny. But if you gave me the option, which do you want to drive? I'm going to pick the Lotus every single time, unless I'm going to like sit in traffic. Then I'll pick the GTR. Well, sure. Because the GTR, it's not fun at all slow. Yeah, right, right. But you, so you end up getting to such high speeds before it starts to be interesting. You're chasing the feeling that a lighter, less powerful car gives you kind of all the time. Alexander S. says the cars often become more toned down when going from concept to production. What are some cars that make us say, wow, they made the concept car? He's talking about the Lexus LC500 is one that comes to mind first for Alexander. You're assuming that the concept came first. Oh, We've talked about this before a little bit, but there's always the grand assumption that the concept is first and the production car is second. Mm. And in many cases, in most cases, they work out the production car first mm. because they need lead time for that to go to tooling. That that car has to be tested and has to be crash mm. tested. Mm. So sometimes concepts are designed after the production car is, the design is frozen, it's gone off to tooling, it's getting engineered, all the bugs shaken out of it, the hot weather testing, the cold weather testing, that's already well underway mm. when the designers now have a little bit of time left over to design the concept car version of that. This is the WRX problem. The <laughs> yes, car is. is locked and it's bland and it's going to be fine. What would you guys do if you could do whatever? You got a couple months. 
That's why there's a shorter lead time between when the concept car came out and, oh, the production car is coming shortly after. Mm. Because if they got all the everything out of their system with the concept car and then decided, okay, I think we're going to go. There's another 18 months wasted before we even see a test mule. So I like the SEMA concepts because it's mostly add-ons. When you see a SEMA concept built up, it's a lot of stuff that either can be done by the company or some other tuner shop has done it. And so it's sort of like, yeah, I would buy it just like that, even though it's a one-off. That's kind of cool. But from car companies, I say that Hyundai and Genesis are getting pretty close. Mm. Volvo's doing well. The Porsche Taycan was sort of like, oh, that's kind of concept car. That one was really close. But what every car manufacturer is doing is take the production car and let's tweak it a little bit and build a three or $4 million concept car that Mm. runs Mm -hmm. with you know, some running gear underneath and to make it just outside of the production Mm. car, it makes it seem like it's close, even though it was, it came after the fact it's disappointing to hear, but it's a great way for car companies to make a splash. And then suddenly here it is, here's the production. It's coming soon and shorten the lead time from a sales perspective. Because if you have to, if we all have to wait like a decade, we did for the Acura NSX, Mm -hmm. That's kind of what they did. They were getting it all out and changing things. And <laughs> finally, by the time it hit the market, we're all so bored and over it yeah. that it didn't do well in sales, even though it's a great car. Yeah. yeah you should yeah. buy it if you like it. But that's, uh, that's most of what's going on behind the scenes. Jorge asks on Instagram, he actually kind of gives a public service announcement on Instagram. He said, can we discuss the importance of a really thorough test drive? <laughs> yes. He said, I, I just realized that um, I didn't do this well. He bought himself a <laughs> Miata ND2, which we are big fans of, but he didn't have the top up on the test drive. So the first time he went around a corner with the top up, he said he nearly brained himself, knocked himself out by hitting his head on the side of the roof. Um <laughs> There's two sides of this, Jorge. Now, first off, yes, you have to get a real test drive. I am always boggled, in there, and I forget what the stat was. I want to say it was like as much as 40% of new car buyers do not test drive, mm. which is a stat that should be like 4%. Yeah. Okay? I mean, I, and I yeah. may be wrong, but I know it's, it's, it's a shocking amount. Uh, we should all be test driving like crazy. The problem with the test drive, besides the fact that you might be having a difficult dealer experience on top of it, is the test drive has a circuit. We're going to go here. Then we're going to go here. Now we're going to come back here. Right. And you, what you can really do is not much. If you're buying a you car. You can talk about you, options you want to add on. You and can. What kind of financing and, and, and they really And they you. really want to turn the stereo up, like yeah. way up. And talk do we to want to lease today? Or is, is leasing? Are we going to lease? Oh. You're interested in leasing, right? <laughs> we can have all that conversation while we're puttering. Oh, man. You know, if this is only five, much, five bucks a month more than your budget. That's good. It's just the price of a coffee. Exactly. Let me go talk to the manager. Oh. I've got the next trim level up. You should take a look at that. It's like five bucks more a month. Anyway, Jorge, the the thing is, yes, we all need to be test driving, but what you have to fight for is you have to fight for, I need some time with this car. And whoever you're buying from might not love that, but I think it's vital. Now, this is another place where things like Turo and DriveShare can come in because maybe if you find a car you're circling, take it out of the buying experience and go rent one. Mm. Because when you don't have the buying experience lingering over you, I find this, I have... I. Every car I've ever bought, I've had my list of things that I really want to make sure I check. And invariably, on the day, I have things. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about that. Because you've got the pressure of the salesman or the person you're buying from and the time you're taking. Yeah. You know yeah. what? I'll check the windows later. Or you know what? I, I, the, the blinkers must work. I mean, this, 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 this headspace and happens. life happens. Your, your schedule yes. changes. All that stuff. 
because there's that pressure. So what I recommend is, yes, big test drive, but if you can, do it separate of the buying experience and try all the stuff you do for half a day. Go get groceries in the car you're about to buy. How did that go? At high speed, right? Well, sure. Groceries why not? See if you can sling them to the side. Just yeah. buckle them down. Why so not? That- Crash Testa 1 says, it seems like all cars come with paddle shifters nowadays. Which cars that we've tested have the best paddle shifters? Hmm. And what makes them better than the others? I feel like the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio has some pretty good ones. They're uh, moose antlers, but they are good. They're large. They are very large. And I like them because they're large, which means if they cover more of the 9 and 3, and that's more like you know 10 and 4. Yeah, and, they cover a lot. You know, It's because they're on the column. That's two, why they you know, don't that move with the wheel. Well, exactly. But your, your hands, so there's more steering motion to be done, but the paddles are still at your fingertips. Porsche does well at this. BMW has good ones. Beyond that, most of them are little weird ears. They're little buttons back there. I like the feel of the ones on the new 86. Okay. I'll I give you that. I love the transmission, yeah. but yeah. the actual interaction of those paddles, they had a nice, and this sounds weird, you kind of want a metallic thunk to a paddle. You want to feel like there's an actuator there. When you pull on it, you can feel a hinge movement. At least that's what I like. And they had that on the 86, which is kind of cool. Well, what I like is when they're actually made out of metal, mm-hmm. yeah. not a coated or plated plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it when they're large and they stick up, kind of saying whether you use them and you just sort of see them. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, designed to be a tertiary thing or a secondary read. Oh. They're very prominent. The number of cars, especially SUVs with sport mode, you can't see the air quotes, yeah. that we get in and one of us says to the other one, does this have paddles? It's it's a it happens a lot. It happens a lot, You're and then peering around the wheel for oh look, it does. Is that a gear shift selector? Is that a volume knob back there? I can't really tell. Oh look, I just changed the track. That's happened too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I like it when they're they've got a good feel, and then the distance that they travel mm-hmm. is very very important. This is the Weird, most important thing yeah. about it. It can't be too short. Because that feels cheap. That doesn't feel like mm-hmm. I really engage with the transmission. That just tells me, okay, th- there's just a wire over the transmission. <laughs> know what they all are, but you know what I mean. Of course, yeah. I like a, a nice solid pull, but it can't be too long. So maybe less than a centimeter as far as the pull distance. <laughs> Paul's going to be one of those guys. You've seen him at auto shows. That's walking around the auto show with a tape measure. No, I'm sorry. But that's all I'm going to measure. It's all, you're, that's all you're measuring. traveled for your paddles. You're going to have a little notebook, and you're going to have a tape measure that's only like six inches long. And it's going to be just, that's all you're measuring is paddle <laughs> that's movement. That's all I need. Paddle movement. It's going to be great. need a little pocket. <laughs> Shane writes in and says, uh, starting with the fact that the Toyota... 86 and the Subaru BRZ are the same car, but most everyone agrees that Subaru did a lot of it and Toyota did some of it. Mm-hmm. Why does everybody decide to discuss them in mass as the 86 instead of discussing them in mass as the BRZ since Subaru did more of the heavy lifting? And I think I have an answer. Okay. It's because the generation we're coming out of, they just replaced the engine size so it doesn't apply anymore. But the injury, engine of the one we just came out of was an 86 millimeter engine. It was 86 square. Right. Okay. Or in stroke. So as a result, both of them had the same engine. Both of them were the 86 in spite of what, I mean, the first one was called the FRS for God's sakes. Right. They all had the same engine, same architecture, that 86 architecture in spite of the badge. I think that's why they became the 86 in mass. Mm Mm-hmm. Stuntman TM says Porsche Taycan paint to sample colors are available for 2022. So what <laughs> colors would we want on a Taycan? Okay. I'm not sure if I'd want a Taycan. Oh, really? Okay. 
talking with Chance the other day, and he's got a friend at a dealership who says, with all the teething problems that they're having with Tycons, the dealership is just replacing the entire drivetrain and battery pack at the cost of $31,000 per car. Ouch. Which tells me, I don't want a Tycon right now, but Mm. that's the problem. I don't want an e-tron GT right now either. Sure. Even though I do think they look better than the Tycons. They do look great, don't they? But if we're forced to choose a color, (laughs) I do like that ruby stone. (laughs) Wait. Forced to buy a Tycon. Yeah. That's that's a tough life. I, I do like that Ruby Stone. It does actually look good. But how about anything other than white? It's no. I do like the Ruby Stone. Just a smattering of sophisticated colors, even though the, the Ruby Stone really isn't that. But more of a, you know, just a sophisticated, some neutrals, but others, you know, some nice, not so bright colors, but definitely a color. Nate M. also asked on Facebook, asked me if I would ever consider sharing some of my car sketches and designs. He's Mm. fascinated to see a design before regulations and accounts destroy it. Well, a lot of my designs were from a couple decades ago, as a matter of fact. And so I suppose I could publish it, but I'd actually be more interested in publishing art, some paintings that I've done, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. much in the vein of what you've done with with Paper Father, you know, just publishing those and seeing if, you know, people like to buy a print of uh, some various paintings. You've got some really cool ones, yeah. Maybe I finally got some of them actually digitized uh-huh. and enlarged and hanging on my own walls. But I've, yeah. the thoughts crossed my mind to, to do that. And uh, what I've got is a two painting series of a 1929 cycle fendered Lagonda. Kind of fun paintings and uh, just a few others that I've done. But anyway, I've toyed with the idea. You've got some really cool ones. That makes me think of the fact I haven't mentioned this to you now. So surprise, I, I would love for you to do one of your uh, redesigned pieces, Fixing the 400Z. Not because I'm necessarily thinking that it's broken, but what I'd sure. be very curious for you to do is a little bit different approach than before, and that is I'd be curious for you to to extrapolate the hard points of the 370 chassis since we know it's what they use. Oh, interesting. And see how crazy you can go on the hard points. Oh, basically because that A-pillar was very much structure. What, their, what their restrictions were, and then they very clearly looked at the 240, and we have heard from – Many people, including our own Jason Bell, who writes for us, that the three, pardon me, that the new 400, now called just the Z, is awesome looking, especially in blue. We've heard many people tell us that in person it has a great presence. I would just be curious, because this is my thing, I would just be curious, how clean sheet could you go Mm. with the restriction Mm. of the platform and the hard points? Because that's always the thing that holds back a design. They decided to embrace the 240 look. Where else could it go? Interesting. That's not a bad idea. I'd like to get a hold of a package to do that because, of course, you measure everything off the front axle, either mm-hmm. negative or positive, going either direction, sure, sure. so from an elevation side view. And you know the dash-to-axle ratio, a lot of those hard points are fixed, the crash mm-hmm. structure. Totally, totally. Sometimes you can extend the rear wheelbase out. You, know, you mm. can extend the platform a little bit. That would change the dynamics of the car. And then you have to go to the engineering team and say, how feasible is it to do this? And how much would that cost? <laughs> Designers are always doing that. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times that's where they're handcuffed to go crazy. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's give ourselves a budget of I just be curious. tens of millions of dollars to change that tooling and go Well, but I'll look, I'll go even crazier. further. Look at the really cool FT1 concept that was what eventually became the Supra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The problem there was they had that great FT1 concept, which was long. It was big. It was yeah. huge. It was fantastic, but it was huge. And then they were given, this is the wheelbase. Yeah. Make it work. So even that thing, if you, even if you took just like almost, I know you love this, almost if you thought about it like a skateboard, yeah. the, what is the <laughs> chassis of the 370? So you've got your, here's your firewall and your, and your A-pillar, mm-hmm. and here are your wheels. What can you do? Select is, all surfaces. This is not my skill set at all. Scale very 78%. <laughs> 
shrink it down. <laughs> I'd just be really curious. No, that was the thing. With the, 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 this is one of the reasons that the new Supra, it, I think, looks so polarizing. Because I think yeah, most everybody yeah. looked at the FT1 and was kind of like, whoa. But some of the some people look at the Supra and are like, nope, sorry, doesn't work for me. And I think it is that it's resize that made it hard. So I'd just be curious to see how crazy you could go. That's interesting because another car company was suddenly involved at that point. Yes, BMW absolutely. got in the mix, and mm-hmm. then they needed to actually make two cars off that same platform. Exactly. And think about exactly manufacturing, right, yeah. and that's that's not a bad thing. I've been kind of waiting for the Z to be officially launched, and now it has. We've mm-hmm. seen it now to be able to you know fix things just in case Nissan had changed anything dramatic. Which, from an appearance standpoint, they've only added a lip spoiler on the rear tail there. It, so. it, it went blue, and it now has braces in the, in the grill. But otherwise, we're excited to drive it. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Again, Topic Tuesdays, car debates and car conclusions. Send those in to us. And the Cheap Sports Car 8 Car Film mm-hmm. is now on YouTube with the 5 Car Wrap-Up Film coming in a week. We hope you enjoy. Cheers, everyone.